0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News, brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind, with the permission of the Worcester News, and recorded on Thursday the 21st of March 2019 here at Colin Chance House, Worcester. I'm Evelyn Brock, editor for this evening, and with me to read the news articles are Paddy Fellows, Hugh Thomas, and Moira Lowe. Our sound engineer is Barry Hurd, and our clerical assistant is Janet Weaver. A warm welcome to all listeners, especially new ones. I hope everyone enjoys our offering. In addition to news items, you'll hear some useful telephone numbers, readers' letters, birthdays, on this day, and thought for the week. Obituaries are still included, but have moved to a new spot, following the closing music. So, if you wish to hear them, please stay tuned then. Also, do let us know your birthday, so we can greet you specially when the time comes. This service is free to users, but if you would like to make a voluntary donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester WR5 1DA. We do like hearing from you, and a message can be left on our answerphone: Worcester zero one nine zero five seven six seven seven double six, or you can add a note to your wallet. We ask listeners that if there's any problem with any aspect of your receiving recordings, please use the answer phone on the number I've just given and leave a message to that effect. So we'll start with birthdays. And we have two to celebrate this evening. On the 27th of March, Janet Mitra and on the 28th, Barbara Robery. So happy birthday to both ladies when those dates arrive.
1: Happy birthday.
0: Happy birthday. birthday. Now Paddy is going to read us
2: (coughs) the thought for the week. Which is from Luke 19, verses 45 to 48. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, My house will be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the leaders among people were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find any way to do it because all people hung on his words.
0: Thank you, Paddy. Mm. Now some useful telephone numbers. Out of hours medical help 6 to 8 pm 0300 211. NHS non emergency 111. Worcester Live, that's for the Swan Theatre, Huntington Hall and the Henry Sandon Hall 01905 six double one four two seven Malvern Theatre zero one six eight four eight nine double two double seven The Worcester Hub for Council Matters zero one nine zero five seven six five seven six five or seven treble two double three Crime Stoppers, zero eight zero zero, treble five treble one, and Samaritans, one one six one two three. Well, now I'll ask the team to introduce themselves as they read the week's headline articles.
3: Hello, I'm Hugh and I'm reading from the Worcester News on Friday, March the 15th. Uh, A mum, her son and his girlfriend have been sentenced for drugs offences in Worcester. Officers were investigating an aggravated burglary at a property in Drake Avenue, Dines Green, in March last year after a 20-year-old was brutally attacked by up to four men with a baseball bat, hammer and machete. As part of their investigation, the police discovered a large amount of cannabis, Mm. cash and mobile phones, as well as scales and deal bags at the property. Three people, Claire Williams, Mm. her son David Warman, and his partner Mm. Megan Minnis, were subsequently charged with drugs offenses They pleaded guilty at Worcester Crown Court on Friday, March the 8th Mm -hmm. and were sentenced to the following. Mm -hmm. Claire Williams, Mm -hmm. aged 42, of Drake Avenue, Worcester was sentenced to nine months' imprisonment, suspended for 18 months for possession with intent to supply Class B cannabis. David Warman, aged 20, of Drake Avenue, Worcester Received an 18 month community order and 150 hours unpaid work for being cornered in the supply, concern. sorry, in the supply of Class B cannabis. Megan Minnis, aged 19, of Drake Avenue, Worcester, received a 12 month community order and 100 hours unpaid work for being concerned in the supply of Class B cannabis. Speaking following the sentencing, PC Liam Mather said, We will always take reports of drug dealing seriously and do everything we can to ensure our communities are kept safe and protected from harm. This particular case is an example of a potential outcome that can result from dealing controlled drugs in the community. Our officers from the Dines Green Safer Neighbourhood team worked very closely with investigating officers throughout <laughs> to ensure those offences were brought to justice. A teenage boy who cannot be named for legal reasons received a nine-month community order a 40-day activity requirement and was ordered to pay a victim surcharge for being concerned in the supply of Class B cannabis as part of the same police investigation.
1: Hello, I'm Moira and my headline's from Saturday, March the 16th. Councillors have warned residents against forming a vigilante group after an estate was struck by a spate of car break-ins. Police have said they have received reports of nine incidents of cars being broken into across Warden villages overnight between Tuesday and Wednesday, March 13th to 14th. Talking to Warden villages community group on Facebook, one resident said the theft spread from near Worcester Royal Hospital to St Nicholas Church. He said the thieves were seemingly undeterred by resident CCTV and security lights. And argued the spate demonstrates there is no police patrols covering this part of Worcester. He added, This area with its upmarket properties and high value cars and high council tax needs something better from its police and council. Police received a number of reports, including in Purley Avenue and Wilberforce Place, somewhere items were taken from within. Another resident suggested a vigilante group be set up amongst residents to better protect their property. However, Warndon councillors Stephen Hodgson and Cherry Stalker have encouraged their constituents to go down the proper routes while taking extra precautions against such potential crimes. Councillor Hodgson, who represents Warndon Parish North on the City Council, said the police are stretched and unless more crimes are reported on the estate, officers are less likely to prioritise it. If they are aware more is going on in the villages, then we will get more patrols, he said. Obviously, the police don't have as great resources they once did, and so they will focus their presence where the most recorded crime actually is. That's another reason we encourage people in Warnedin villages to report crime. Referring to the potential for vigilantes, he said, I don't know how valuable it would be and how long-term a system like that could be sustained. There's more sensible things for it, for example, Neighbourhood Watch, which is more established. Residents in Hartlepool, where I'm originally from, made the news when they started going around as vigilantes because they think local police aren't putting the right resources in. But it doesn't work. You'd need such a big pool of volunteers to patrol the estate anyway. Councillor Stalker, who represents Warden on the city and county councils, said... We should go down the proper routes and go to the police and make sure we're not leaving valuables out and take more precautions. Patrols are reduced everywhere. Officers are doing the best they can to deal with crime with less resources. Councillor Hodgson agreed. We need to make sure people, when leaving their cars overnight, are not leaving valuables on display, including dash cams that could be attractive to a thief. If you can park your car on the driveway rather than on the street wherever possible. He went on to say that crime goes up and down on the estate, but it is generally low-level offences. Normally it's two or three people doing this. As soon as these people are arrested and brought to justice, then the crime figures drop back to normal. The villages only tend to get low-level crime, but car break-ins cost money to repair, and so I would emphasise residents keep valuables out of view. He said he fought against the renewal of a public space protection order last July in which the City council's Communities Committee decided to remove Warden Villages from a public alcohol ban. He said this was based on a lack of alcohol-related crime reported between April 2012 to January 2018. But if it was a ban, anyway, they wouldn't have been drinking, would they? Warden s Sergeant Carl Jones said... We have received nine reports of vehicle-related theft in the area, the majority of which were due to vehicles being left insecure and no damage was caused. We would like to remind people to ensure their vehicles are locked and no valuables are left inside, leaving them vulnerable to opportunistic thieves. Every offence reported to us is assessed for the potential threat, harm and risk to the public and property. Resources are then allocated appropriately based on demand. Whilst we strive to provide the best possible level of service to our communities, there are instances where people may not prioritise responding lower level cases where there isn't a prospect of a criminal justice outcome and the time spent on the investigation would not be proportionate depending on demand at the time. We understand these offences concern the community and we do take such crimes seriously but we do have to allocate resources to the higher-risk crimes and incidents first. I would like to reassure residents that officers and the SNT for the area do carry out patrols in the area.
2: Hello, my name's Paddy and I'm reading <coughs> uh, the uh, headline article from Monday, March the 18th, which is Band Driver in High Speed, Police Chase." A teenage driver with a pregnant passenger led police on a high-speed chase through Worcester, which had to be abandoned because of the risk to schoolchildren. Harry Milton Hosek was told by a judge that he'd escaped jail by the skin of his teeth after police dashcam footage (coughs) of the pursuit was played at Worcester Crown Court on Friday. The 19-year-old has a string of previous convictions, including burglary, battery, theft, sending threatening messages, harassment, witness intimidation, being in possession of a bladed article, taking a motor vehicle without the owner's consent, failing to stop, driving without a license and failing to comply with the community order. Despite his record, he has yet to serve a custodial sentence and once again managed to avoid prison. Milton Hossack of Vicarage Court Worcester had already admitted dangerous driving whilst disqualified and using a car without a third-party insurance following the chase on September 5th last year. The pursuit began at 3.03pm when Milton Hosek drove his brother's Nissan down at speed past a uniformed officer who was parked in Tunnel Hill in an unmarked car. <coughs> Milton Hossack, previously of Rector Road in, Rectory Road in Upton-pon-Seven, was less than two months into a driving ban and the Nissan contained two passengers, one of whom believed herself to be pregnant at the time, and asked the defendant to stop. John Brotherton, prosecuting, said the officer turned on his blue lights and sirens to get Milton Hossack to stop, but he refused, turning instead into Linden Road at excessive speed. From there, he continued into Highland Road and towards the junction with Tunnel Hill. Footage of the six minutes chase was played which showed the driver contravening contravening road signs, driving on the wrong side of the road, speeding through residential streets and driving at speed towards an oncoming van which was forced to brake. At one stage he can be seen driving straight out of a junction on the wrong side of the road without checking the way was clear. The footage also shows him overtaking a queue of cars as he speeds towards the new Checkers Inn driving along Astwood Road and narrowly missing other cars before he heads on in- into Belford Road. Mr Brotherton said the officer decided to end the pursuit because there was a school in Belford Road. However, the defendant was later seen on foot at 3.15pm that day, by the same officer in Old Northwick Lane, who shouted at him to stop. Milton Hossack instead ran towards the river. Mr Brotherton said, The officer became aware of the Elmira, which appeared to have been driven into some bushes and abandoned. The defendant made good his escape. He was arrested on January 28th this year on an unrelated matter where he admitted the driving offences in interview. Mr. Brotherton said he said he panicked when he saw the police vehicle and put his foot down. He hadn't wanted to be arrested. He accepted his driving was dangerous and said he was sorry for his actions. Milton Hossack was banned from driving for eight months on July 19th last year for taking a car without the owner's consent, failing to stop and driving without a licence. Mr Brotherton said there were passengers in the car and he disregarded the warnings of others. It said one of those passengers was telling him to stop. She believed he was pregnant. That was her concern at that point. Jason Iris, defending, said his client had made full and frank admissions in interview and entered a guilty plea at the first opportunity. He's a young lad who has an awful lot of growing up to do, said Mr. Iris. He said his client now had stable accommodation in Worcester in a studio flat. Mr. Iris told the court his client had ADHD and got bored very quickly and would benefit from structure and guidance in his life and that he was now showing some signs of maturity. He added that Milton Hossack was scared about being made to serve a 20-week prison sentence which was suspended when he was sentenced for offences prior to the driving charges. I would invite your honour to take a chance on this young man and suspend any sentence of imprisonment with rather rigorous conditions, said Mr Iris. Recorder Robert spencer Bernard. said, Shortly after 3pm you were approaching a school. The video from the police car shows children standing on the pavements. The judge said there had been a minor collision between the Elmira and a Honda during the pursuit. He said... You are 19. I'm very hesitant about opposing any immediate custody. You've escaped it by the skin of your teeth. The recorder sentenced him to 12 months in a young offender institution, suspended for 15 months. He was disqualified from driving for 30 months. Milton Hosek must complete a mandatory extended driving retest. He was also ordered to do 20 rehabilitation activity requirement days and 240 hours of unpaid work. No costs or compensation were ordered because the defendant had no means.
0: Right. From Tuesday, March the 19th, City Muslims Security Plea. Muslims have asked for extra security at a city mosque after the New Zealand terrorist attack. Local worshippers fear that a far-right extremist could attempt a copycat attack at the mosque in Tallow Hill, Worcester. West Mercia police has offered to step up patrols at the site after a far-right extremist killed at least 50 people at two mosques in Christchurch last week. Mohamed Iqbal, chairman of Worcester Muslim Welfare Association, which runs the Tallow Hill Mosque, said, Mosques are very vulnerable during the times of prayer, and the recent terror attacks during Friday prayers in New Zealand have increased the fears in the community. We feel like an easy, open target for any individual to walk in during prayers. Our biggest threat would be a copycat. We have been asked by some public members to increase security during prayer times on Fridays, which we are looking into. We've been offered extra patrols by the local police on Fridays. He added that the mosque received a grant from a government fund set up to boost security at places of worship in 2017. This money was spent on a range of security measures at the mosque, including CCTV cameras. Mr. Iqbal said, since having this extra security, our vandalism has decreased our cameras have also helped with antisocial and suspicious behaviour. Allah Ditter, mm. deputy mayor of Worcester, added that he thought local Muslims were more aware that mm. anything could happen in a mosque following the New Zealand attack. He said, anybody can walk through the door. A mosque is supposed to have its doors open five times a day, seven times a week. I think the concern is that there's lots of people coming from outside for Friday prayers. For normal prayers, it's a handful of people. You know who they are. The Muslim Council of Britain has urged the government to pay for security measures outside mosques following the New Zealand attack. West Mercia police confirmed it had stepped up reassurance patrols since the shooting. And I think that everybody listening to this would be so sorry for New Zealand oh, as if they yes. hadn't got enough to put up with yes. with the aftermath of the two earthquakes a few years ago. Yes. And they are a wonderful
3: people. Oh, yes. Yeah. OK, this is uh, Wednesday's issue, March the 20th. <coughs> An investigation has been launched into allegations that a company allowed carers to go into vulnerable people's homes without criminal background checks. Bloomsbury, Worcestershire, has admitted that one of its former carers carried out home visits alone before passing a disclosure <coughs> and barring service check, known as a DBS check. Mm-hmm. However, mm. whistleblowers claim that several mm. other carers entered properties on their own and without DBS clearance, raising concerns mm. about the safety of vulnerable adults. One ex-employee told the Worcester News mm. that as recently as this year, she had carried out solo home visits mm. despite not having a DBS. She added, mm. "'I could have had a criminal offense. I could have abused old people in the past. It's illegal to go into houses without DBSs. I think it is still going on. These are old people. They can't defend themselves. (coughs) There are workers out there that don't have childminders for their children and they are taking their children to people's houses. They are in Worcester. Mm. All this just because they are short-staffed. It's absolutely shambolic. The worker has reported Bloomsbury, Worcestershire, based in Mm -hmm. Barbourne Road, Worcester, Mm -hmm. to the Care Quality Commission, Mm -hmm. that is the CQC, a regulator for Mm -hmm. care companies, and the County council's Social Services Department. Mm -hmm. She added that almost 80% of her work for the company was Mm -hmm. in Worcester, while the rest was Mm -hmm. in areas surrounding the city. Another ex-carer, told the Worcester News when I first started working at Bloomsbury Mm -hmm. I didn't have a DBS Mm -hmm. I joined last year Mm -hmm. and got a DBS 8 weeks after I started Mm -hmm. I probably did about 2 home visits a day without anyone else being there Mm -hmm. I did that for about 8 weeks Mm -hmm. I'd never worked in care before, Mm -hmm. I never went through a safeguarding of vulnerable Mm -hmm. adults test that is a a SOVAR test, I had manual handling training and that was it.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Another whistleblower told the Worcester News that up to 10 workers were missing DBS's Mm. when she joined the company. Mm. Several former employees of the company Mm. claimed that the bosses sometimes withheld money from them due to disputes arising from their login system. The carers registered home visits with an app on their work phones which they put on a tag log in a patient's home. However, they complained their phones would sometimes run out of battery, which meant they were not paid for certain jobs, as they could not log out when leaving. Mm -hmm. A group of ex-employees said they lost more than £700 in earnings last month solely because of this problem. The workers added that they had reported this issue to the Advisory, Conciliation and Arbitration Service ACAS, mm-hmm. the CQC and Worcestershire County Council, confirming that they were investigating allegations about Bloomsbury Worcestershire. A spokesman for the CQC said The CQC received anonymous information regarding concerns surrounding DBS checks last week and has carried out an inspection at Bloomsbury, Worcestershire. We are considering next steps with regard to our inspection findings. Our inspection will be published in due course. Nick Kostadulu, CEO of Bloomsbury Home Care, which runs Bloomsbury, Worcestershire, said all of the company's current workers in the county have DBSs. He said Bloomsbury has a long-standing policy of only allowing workers to go into homes without DBSs if they have passed a SOVA test and are accompanied by an employee who has a DBS or if they have a current DBS from a similar industry. Mr. Christodoulou added that the alleged issues would have taken place under a former branch manager who parted company with Bloomsbury about a month ago. After reviewing workers' files, the CEO revealed that a carer who started work this year was sent out on home visits alone and without a DBS. However, he said he could not find any other cases of workers that started last year not having DBSs, although he added that the files for two workers were missing. (coughs) Mr Christodulo said the controversial login system used by staff was crucial because it let the company know if a carer had not arrived at a job. He added It's also crucial for people to log out as it tells us how long was spent at a call. Worcestershire County Council will be absolutely on the ball if we are spending only five minutes at a house and we are commissioned for 45. We saw people who logged in but hadn't logged out and we paid them for 45 minutes. If your battery is running out, I'm sorry, make sure you go out with a fully charged battery. He said Bloomsbury recently stopped paying employees for certain jobs if they failed to log out when leaving the property. Up to 50% of home visits were not properly logged before the measure, however this has now dropped to around 10% according to Bloomsbury. Mr. Christodoulou added that prospective employees need to provide (coughs) references from their current and past employers and pass a test and an interview before they are fired. The CEO also said it was absolutely forbidden for workers to take anyone else, such as as a child, into a customer's home. He denied that the company was short-staffed.
1: Okay, today's headline is Dad Saved Daughter's Life After Her Heart Stopped. A dad saved his teenage daughter's life after she went into cardiac arrest out of the blue in her sleep. Phil Packer, 57, performed CPR he'd learned over 30 years ago when stepdaughter Penny Ashmore's heart failed and she stopped breathing at their Worcester home in the middle of the night. Then, 19, Penny had been singing earlier in the evening at the city's cathedral and Phil said she'd never had heart problems before. Penny had taken her last breath and was clinically dead, but along with the amazing call centre operator's advice, my CPR training that I learnt over 30 years ago just came back to me, he said. The talented singer has now been fitted with an ICD or implantable cardioverter deprivation defibrillator, I'll get there in the end, (laughs) and after spending 17 weeks in hospital, is following her dream by studying at Royal Central School of Speech and Drama in London. Remembering the night she collapsed, Phil, who owns Malvern Party and Balloon Shop, said Penny had been singing at Worcester Cathedral that evening and came home perfectly happy. My wife and I heard something in the night and rushed through to her room. Her cardiac arrest came out of the blue. She'd never had heart problems before, continued Phil, who immediately rang 999. I kept up CPR until the incredible emergency services arrived. Mm -hmm. Penny, now 21, had suffered a ventricular fibrillation cardiac arrest, a type of cardiac arrhythmia when the heart quivers instead of pumping due to disorganised electrical activity Mm -hmm. in the ventricles. The condition results in cardiac arrest with loss of consciousness and no pulse. Phil went on to say, alerted by her agonal gasping, her mother and I were able to respond within minutes. I gave my daughter CPR until paramedics arrived, and despite three further cardiac arrests, she made a full neurological recovery. She's now been fitted with an ICD and is living a normal life around her chronic heart condition. Phil has since received a CPR Hero Award from the British Heart Foundation and is encouraging others to help raise funds for vital research by taking part in the Worcester Hearty Walk on April the 7th. More than 12,000 people in Worcester are living with heart and circulatory diseases and these conditions claim the lives of more than 200 people in the area each year. Joining in the Worcester Hearty Walk will help raise vital funds to help with the British Heart Foundation's groundbreaking discoveries to identify new treatments for heart conditions. Phil said the BHF helped provide answers to the never-ending questions going through our minds whilst enduring the long, endless days and nights worrying about Penny. I believe I was already compassionate in all walks of life. But the events of the night my daughter's heart stopped showed me I am also braver than I knew, said the dad of three. I am becoming daily more informed about the fight to beat heart disease, and I am absolutely driven to make this happen. Visit bhf.org.uk forward slash Walk, or you can call 0300 330 3322 for a registration form or register on the day.
0: And now some sports mm.
3: articles. Mm. Worcester Wolves have much in common with tomorrow's hosts, Glasgow Rocks, says head coach Tony Garbelletto. Uh, this is from Saturday, March the 16th. The British Basketball League clash at the Emirates Arena pits a third from bottom Rocks against basement boys Wolves. With Worcester improved under Garbaletto, who has replaced Ty Shaw until the end of the season, Rocks still have playoff hopes and will look to impress new boss Vincent Lavandier. Garbaletto said, Glasgow have a new coach. We'll expect them to try to go out all guns blazing. They are much the same as Wolves, a team much better than their league record shows. We shouldn't fear any of these teams. We've competed against the best. I'm expecting us to play a really strong game. We owe it to ourselves and the fans to correct what went on last week and come out with a win. Worcester fell 33-13 behind last week in a 71-68 home defeat to Sheffield Sharks. Garbellotto added, I was really disappointed with the outcome. It was a very winnable game. I was concerned at how we started the match and why we began so poorly after a really good week of practice. Since I've been involved, our playing record could be 4-2 instead of 2-4. There's no reason why we shouldn't believe we can win every single game. But we've got to start winning them. I want to at least go into the end of this month with another two or three wins. Then in April, we need to look to really finish off this season. We are in zero control of our own destiny.
1: Okay, my story is about cricket and is from today's paper. Ben Cox is looking to create a favourable impression when he remains in the UAE to represent the MCC in the traditional curtain raiser to the new season against the Champions, Champion County. The wicket-keeper batsman has spent the last two weeks in Abu Dhabi with his Worcestershire teammates preparing for the 2019 season. Last summer's Vitality Blast winners played a mixture of white and red ball cricket against Essex, Somerset and Warwickshire before flying home. But Cox will now hop across to Dubai to join up with the MCC squad who face Surrey at the ICC Global Cricket Academy nursery ground in a four-day game starting on Sunday. It will be the second appearance in three years in this fixture for the 27-year-old, who faced Middlesex and scored 40 and 17, in addition to taking five catches in the 2017 fixture. Cox, Worcestershire's double man of the match on Blast Finals Day at Edgbaston, is aiming to demonstrate his qualities as part of a side captain by England paceman Stuart Broad. He said, I found out five or six weeks ago that I've been selected and it is great to represent the MCC and the badge and what it stands for. But you also look forward to who you're playing with. Stuart is my captain and I'm really looking forward to going out there and trying to impress the right people. The team was selected in conjunction with the ECB selectors and getting picked is a good sign that I'm doing something right along the way. It helps to keep your name and face in the shop window. I just need to be more consistent across all three formats just letting the keeping look after itself and make sure it's to a high standard and just being consistent with the bat.
0: And now on this day, on this day, the 21st of March in 1556, Thomas Cranmer, first Protestant Archbishop of Canterbury, was condemned as a heretic under Catholic Queen Mary I, and burned at the stake in Oxford. On this day 1685, composer Johann Sebastian Bach was born in Eisenach, Germany. He sired 20 children yet still found time to compose 300 cantatas two oratorios the saint john and saint matthew passions and the mass in c in b minor what a guy 1933 on this day the first nazi concentration camp was completed in germany it served as a prototype and model for the others that followed including Auschwitz. On this day, 1960, the Sharpeville massacre took place in the Transvaal, South Africa, when police fired on a demonstration against pass laws killing 69 people. On March 21, 1963, Alcatraz, the notorious maximum security prison in San Francisco Bay, was closed. By the way, I believe that the Birdman of Alcatraz mm. was pure fiction. It mm. couldn't possibly have happened. Mm. Oh, mm. sorry to burst that particular balloon. In 1985, riot police shot dead 17 black people at South Africa's Langa Township on the 25th anniversary of the Sharpeville massacre. Mm. 21st of March 1991, the poll tax was ditched as Environment Secretary Michael Heseltine unveiled a new property tax to replace it. 1993, the IRA said it carried out two bomb attacks in Warrington, which killed a four year old child. 1995, Police raided the Tokyo headquarters of the Aum Shinrikyo religious sect after sarin nerve gas was released on five trains in the Tokyo underground system. And on this day last year, the number of over-70s holding a driving license had exceeded 5 million for the first time, figures showed. Right now we'll begin some published letters and I'm tempted to in fact I'm going to start with an editor's comment from the letters page about a headline article which has been read this evening it's headed why no jail for teen with past Mm. If we all got a penny paid every time a silver-tongued barrister made excuses for a defendant in court, we would all be rich beyond the dreams of Croesus. Mm -hmm. There's a litany of threadbare excuses and sob stories one regularly hears in courts up and down the land. There was no exception at Worcester Crown Court, When dangerous driver Harry Milton Hossack was given a suspended sentence for leading police on a high-speed chase through Worcester, hurtling past a school as children walked home, feet away. Yes, he's young. Yes, everyone deserves a second chance. But this is someone already convicted of burglary, battery, witness intimidation, theft harassment, sending threatening messages and having a blade in public. Still, he wasn't jailed. He has been given third, fourth, fifth, sixth and seventh chances. A cat doesn't have this many lives. (laughs) Some judges do not live on the same planet as the rest of us. Criminals thrive upon the indulgence of society and especially on the well-meaning leniency of the judiciary.
3: Well, you'll never guess, there are quite a few letters about Brexit. What's that then? (laughs) Uh, So I'll just pick one from Paul Hickling, who's the ex-parliamentary candidate for Worcester. (coughs) Sir, another left-wing defection to the Conservatives in Worcester, this time in the form of Green Party councillor Louise Griffiths of the Battenhall Ward. The Worcester Conservatives are full of left-wing defectors. Mark Bayliss and Alan Amos are both ex-Labour, so she should feel at home in a new party surrounded by all those other left-wing types. Even their stance on Brexit is totally out of touch with the grassroots membership, within the party then Robin Walker MP turned his back on his own constituents who voted to leave and became a junior Brexit minister just to rub salt into the wound so it begs the question is this the only way the Tories in Worcester can gain a seat these days by pinching other parties' councillors well you can pinch all the councillors you like but you can't pinch the votes at the end of the day
1: Okay, my letter is from Simon Gillespie, the Chief Executive of the British Heart Foundation. Sir, your readers may have seen in the news that the organ donation procedure in England is changing. The introduction of Max and Kira's law will provide hope for the 42 people in Worcestershire waiting for a heart, kidney or other organ transplant. However, evidence tells us more work will need to be done. Now the government must invest in resources to help the law change become a success. Families will still play a role in deciding what happens to their loved one's organs, so encouraging people to make their wishes known is essential. More specialist nurses are also needed as the presence of specialist organ donation nurses dramatically improves consent rates in the UK. If a specialist donation nurse is present to discuss organ donation, families are around three times more likely to consent to their loved one's organs being donated. It's fantastic this law has been passed, but now we must have a national conversation about organ donation. That is why we're asking your readers to talk about how they feel about organ donation with their friends and family. Knowing your loved one's organ donation wishes should be as commonplace as knowing their birthday.
2: I have quite a long one about deaf support uh, from the Reverend David Southall, who's chaplain's team leader. Sir, this is a copy of a letter I sent to our MPs. Dear Worcestershire MP, I am sure your mind is occupied by huge national issues at the moment. However, I would like to pursue the withdrawal of funding from Deaf Direct by WCC following the published Equity Impact Assessment. You will perhaps have noted the recent coverage of the withdrawal of £46,000 of funding from the charity Jeff Direct, Worcestershire's specialist deaf and hard of hearing provider. I'm very grateful for the intervention of Intervention of Harriet Baldwin, who, following my blog, contacted the Chief Executive of Worcestershire County Council to express my concerns and sent me the response she received. I have received on a number of levels, given that the significant deaf and hard of hearing community in Worcestershire will be hugely affected by this funding withdrawal. This, I fear, will lead to more isolation, mental health issues, and minimal support. Deaf clients within your constituency areas, in the equality impact assessment on ending the current contract, Worcestershire County Council recognised the impact of the hard on the hard of hearing service users. However. The aim of the Council is to ensure that the needs of service users users who are deaf are met within wider service provisions, maximising limited resources to meet statutory needs. Their intended outcomes are to improve access to services, either geographically or vital accessibility of formats provided in... Oh, gosh... Oh, I can't make sense of this, to address the current inequitable service and later ensure that any outcomes planned for future service commissioning are robust. It seemed to me that the County Council's aims, whilst laudable, are a long way off in terms of implementation. In the meantime... They have denuded a well-respected service of vital funds and have given them to CAB, which, while being professionals in advice and information, do not have links with foster trust within the deaf community and deaf culture. This being so, I suggest that the interim measures put in place are inadequate and destructive, to the needs of the deaf or hard-of-hearing community in Worcestershire. As such, I would ask you to use your good offices to lobby Worcester County Council to reinstate funding until such a time as there is a robust plan in place to cater for your deaf or hard-of-hearing constituents. And that's the opinion of David, Reverend David Southall. Good for you.
0: And now a brief clarion call from Greg McClimont, Director of Policy, The People's Pension. And it's about the benefits of work pension. Sir, with employees about to pay more into their workplace pension, nearly eight out of ten people in West Midlands agree it's easier to save for retirement now the money comes straight out of their wages. But despite the majority of savers seeing the overall benefit of their pension, many remain in the dark about the benefits of a workplace pension. Nearly half, 45%, of people aren't aware of how much their employer pays into their workplace pension, and three in ten, 30%, don't know that the government adds to people's pensions with something called tax relief. If people are left unaware of these advantages, there's a danger that they opt out of workplace pensions. So it's up to us all, pension providers, employers and the government, to give savers in Worcester and across the UK a full picture of the benefits of a workplace pension. When you pay in, your employer and the government does too. Effectively, a pay rise in your pension pot.
3: Okay. This is a a letter about the library in St. John's. No doubt many people are aware that it's under threat. And uh, it's a place I visit every couple of weeks. And it seems to me a delightful little library, Mm. which is a very vibrant uh, hub Mm. to the community. And this is a heartfelt letter from Mrs. A. Waters of Worcester. Sir... The library in St John's is very important to many people for a number of reasons. Not only to borrow books, sit quietly and read, use a computer, mother and baby group, keep fit, enjoy tea and coffee while knitting and many more things. St John's would be lost without it, so would I.
1: Okay, I've got some stories for you now from the... I've got first one from today again um, Stockpiling for Brexit A woman called her husband mad after he spent more than £600 on a shop in preparation for a no-deal Brexit Juliet East from Worcestershire took to Twitter to share a picture of the supermarket hall which included 144 rolls of toilet paper and more than 50 tins of food and certainly is a, is a lot of stuff here After looking at lists suggesting items to stockpile, her husband, Tony Smollett, put in an order with Tesco's that totaled £658.29. Ms East, who works in the hospitality industry, said she did not tell him how much to buy for the family of five and couldn't believe the amount he ordered. I didn't think he was going to buy so much, she said. He just went mad and brought lots of everything. Mm. He was laughing at the situation and said he doesn't want anyone online to think he's mad. Miss <laughs> said she decided to stockpile certain items when they began planning for a no-deal scenario at her work. Mm. It's becoming increasingly apparent that no one knows what is going on, she said. Many of our favourite foods come in from overseas and we don't want to run out of things if there's a shortage of certain items. It's the same way people fill their cars with petrol when there's a shortage. The tweet in which Ms East from Barnt Green said she was gently mocking her 58 year old husband, an IT director, (laughs) attracted hundreds of comments and likes online. She added, the reaction on Twitter was not always positive, with other users giving her a hard time about the cost of the food and suggesting she was causing a sense of panic. We're a family of five. We have big shopping lists, she said. I'm the last person to try to create a panic. but just keeping all of the bases covered. The prospects of a no-deal Brexit increased on Monday after the Commons Speaker, John Burko ruled the government could not bring Theresa May's deal back for a third meaningful vote unless there were substantial changes.
2: Now I have a picture of students holding placards. <clears throat> so there were almost 200 students skipped school and protested against climate change Students of all ages from many of the city's primary and secondary school gathered outside the Guildhall on Friday, March the 15th to demand action on climate change by the government. The protest in the city centre was part of a number of demonstrations being held across the country. Organiser Jennifer Thompson-Chatburn said she was absolutely overwhelmed by the turnout, as only 15 students were expected to turn up. The 17-year-old A-level student said she was inspired by the Swedish uh, activist Greta Thunberg, who started skipping school to raise awareness about climate issues. She said, ''Hopefully, uh, today we'll put pressure on our local MPs and councillors to act.'' Protesters heard a number of speeches by local councillors, including Neil Laurenson, Joyce Squires, Tom Collins and the Green Party's parliamentary candidate for Worcester councillor, Louis Stevenson. Councillor Louis Stevenson said that he was very impressed and very proud to see such a large turnout. He said, I'm in awe amount of people that turns up put a lot of pressure on local councillors and tells them that something has to be done Philip Gilfillan who runs City Zero Waste waste Shop Packet Inn in the Shambles called on the city to change its attitude and to do as much as possible to lead a more environmentally friendly lifestyle Councillor Neil Laurenson said, I'm really impressed by the number of students that have felt they needed to walk out of school to speak up about this. I've been to a number of environmental protests in the city over the years and this has been one of the biggest and the most impressive. Councillor George Squires said, I'm thrilled by the amount of young people that have decided to take action A lot of them are saying they feel politicians are not taking climate change seriously enough, but they will make sure that they're listened to.
0: I think we've all been saddened to hear about little Oscar Saxelby Lee Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. his fight against leukaemia. Mm -hmm. But here are two Mm mini-articles about people's efforts Mm -hmm. to help him. And it is this that seems to have gone viral and people are inspired to help him. First of all, Gamers 24-hour YouTube marathon for five-year-old. A gamer from Worcester organised a 24-hour YouTube marathon to raise money for Oscar. Ian Simmons, 50, said he decided to do something after seeing the news of Oscar's fight against leukaemia. He said, I live in St. John's and have got two kids, one of whom went to Pitmuston a few years ago. I heard about the campaign for Oscar through reading the paper and talking with a few friends online. We decided we should do something. He organised a 24-hour live stream of the online game World of Tanks, Blitz, and starting last Friday with several fellow YouTubers joining him for stints taking part. According to Mr. Simmons, the response from the online community was excellent, saying the World of Tanks community is quite a big group with millions of players worldwide and the age range is perfect for the donations being mainly between the ages of 17 and 30. It was incredible the support we got, with people donating from all over the world including America, Australia and Asia. The company that makes the game got involved, donated prizes to the giveaway we did, and it was really special to see how many people got involved. A special thanks goes to Meads E sixty nine, the YouTuber who let me use his channel for the live stream. Mr Simmons set up a just giving page to take in donations, which will then be sent to Oscar's family through the official just giving page set up by Sue Bladen of Pitmaston Primary. The page has raised over £3,800, having originally had a £3,000 target. Keeping going for 24 hours of non-stop gaming was a challenge, but Mr Simmons said it was worth it. Because of YouTube's rules, you can only live stream for 12 hours at a time, so we had to swap over to the North American server halfway through, but we had some great help. We got two world champions from the World of Tanks community to join in and kept bringing in new things to keep it fresh. It's been incredible to see the reach of the stream with this many people from all over the world joining in. And then students sign up to donor register. Hundreds of students and staff at the University of Worcester signed up as potential stem cell donors for Oscar Saxelby Lee yesterday the University Student Union partnered with Anthony Nolan, a research charity, to help find a stem cell transplant match for the Worcester five-year-old with leukaemia. Oscar's story has spread worldwide over the last few weeks, and thousands have already registered. The first donor testing event saw nearly 5,000 people attend Oscar's School, Pitmaston Primary in St John's, over the weekend of March the 2nd and 3rd. Yesterday at the university campus, 421 people registered. Regional manager for Anthony Nolan, Karen Archer, said, what we're doing today is giving potential donors the chance to join the register, filling in a form and doing a swab. It only takes a couple of minutes and you could become someone's lifesaver. We're working all around the UK at the moment and we've had people as far as India, California, Canada asking to help. Student and resident volunteers were at the university from 8 a.m. and donations ran from 10 a.m. through to 6 p.m. Eleanor York, Student Engagement Coordinator at the Student Union said, Oscar's mum is a student here. We partnered up with Nantonee Lowland because we want to do more things like this. It's about finding a donor for anyone who needs it and raising awareness to students and staff (coughs) about being on the register. It's been incredible to see so many students signing up and so important to make sure that everyone is on the register. Student Lopadas, 27, said, I just want to help out because I study a physician associate course and I understand why this is so important. Principal lecturer in social work, Dr Peter Unwin, said, I know, Olivia, and obviously we wanted to do something to help, so it has come together really nicely here at the university.
3: Amazing. A school in Worcester is celebrating being nominated for a Worcestershire Education Award. Bishop Perrone CE College in Merrimans Hill Road has been nominated for Secondary School of the Year with the nomination praising the school's caring atmosphere and encouraging staff. The nomination went on to say, I currently have two sons at the school who both enjoy going, and I am proud to say that they go to Bishop Perone, as did their sister before them. Last year, the school celebrated a remarkable turnaround with a good Ofsted uh, bringing it out of special measures at the time head teacher Mark Pollard said everyone at Bishop Perone is delighted as being rated as a good school we were confident that the changes we were implementing at the time of our previous inspection would be transformative and the rapid improvement is testament to how all staff students Governors and parents have worked together to achieve the best for our students. As in all reports, Ofsted has made suggestions about areas that can be developed further, and we are all committed to ensuring every Bishop Perrone student receives a high standard of education. The school's Ofsted inspection found that every aspect of the school had improved in the preceding year with improvements to leadership, teaching, personal development and outcomes for pupils. The deadline for nominations is April the 18th. Finalists are chosen by a panel of judges and winners are announced during an award ceremony at the University Arena on June the 20th. To nominate someone, go to worcesternews.co.uk/awards/worcestershire-education-awards. Okay, um, loving message of letter
1: left at mosque. Muslims from a Worcester mosque have thanked the people of the city for true friendship and love in the wake of a far-right terrorist attack in New Zealand. Flowers and cards were left at the Central Mosque in Tallow Hill, following a terrorist massacre at two mosques in Christchurch. A gunman gunned down Muslims on Friday, a massacre which has so far claimed 50 lives and injured 50 more, some still fighting for their lives in intensive care. The letter shared by the mosque on Twitter reads, We want you to know that we stand with you at this most painful time. Perhaps we have left it too long to say we love our Muslim neighbours in the city of Worcester and want to offer our support however we can. Though we are not Muslim by religion, we surely share the wish to be obedient to God in peace and love. Bless you, our Muslim friends. Mohammed Iqbal of the Worcester Muslim Welfare Association at the Central Mosque in Tallow Hill said the card and flowers were left on Saturday. Since then, they've had more people, local people, leave flowers and offer support and best wishes. He said, on behalf of the Worcester Muslim Welfare Association, we would like to thank the people of Worcester for the kind and loving support they have always shown. We have always been welcomed like a family. This young Muslim community is now part of this diverse fabric of Worcester. We will continue to work alongside our brothers and sisters of faith and non-faith to fight prejudice and hate. This world is not a monopoly for one race, colour and religion. This world belongs to all and we must all strive to work alongside each other to make our home a better place for our children. Mr Iqbal added, as a community, we're all shocked and saddened that how can such hate consume this individual to become a senseless and emotionless murderer. I've got
2: some good news for the food bank. The food bank in Worcester has received a donation of nearly £36,000 thanks to Esther's Fight Hunger Create Change campaign. Worcester News reported back in February 2016 on the public outcry following Asda's short-lived policy of removing public unmanned donation points at its stores. Asda said at the time, the move was to be fair and consistent to all charities but Graham Lucas, manager of Worcester Food Bank, was left feeling sad and disappointed at the scrapping of a vital donation point. Mr Lucas said of the £36,000 donation from Asta, the money has helped us to purchase a new van for food collections and the distribution of food parcels. The van is a great step forward and something which will allow more freedom to help those in the local areas who need our support. Andy Murray, who's Chief Customer Officer at ASDA said, I'm incredibly proud of the progress we've made to change the face of food poverty in the UK. We'll continue to provide not just meals for people, but support to help them out of poverty. And we thank our customers and colleagues for their ongoing support in the challenge to fight this hunger. The supermarket is working in partnership with the Trussell Trust, which runs many food banks in the UK, and Fairshare, whose remit is to tackle food waste. The partnership will research what factors influence people's use of food banks. Lucy Boswell, who's CEO of Fair Share, said the impact on communities, the Fight Hunger Climate Change programme, is already enabling unprecedented transformation of the UK's charities and community groups. Emma Revy, of the Trussell Trust's chief executive, said the long-term aim was to ensure that people no longer do need to use a food bank. We work in the long term to tackle the structural issues that lock people in poverty. Food banks will be able to provide even more vital support to people, you know, to people referred.
0: And now an article about an attack in the London Tube, but concerning somebody from Worcester. Man convicted of Tube Ticket Inspector attack. A Worcester man has been given a community service sentence and ordered to pay his victim compensation after being convicted of assaulting a London Tube train ticket inspector. The former Army Lance Corporal, who now acts as a private bodyguard, throttled a tube train ticket inspector during affairs row after pinning his arm and shouting, I'll snap it, City of London Magistrates Court, was told. Close protection specialist Ian Paxton, aged 33, of Fells Avenue, Worcester, who once boxed for his regiment, used his bank card to tap in for his Piccadilly Line journey and refused to hand it over to be checked. He was convicted of assaulting Revenue Inspector Vince Fitzsimmons on August the 20th last year between Knightsbridge and South Kensington Station and sentenced to a 12-month community order which includes 100 hours community service work. He was also ordered to pay £150 compensation to Mr Fitzsimmons plus an £85 victim surcharge. Paxton told the court that Mr Fitzsimmons failed to properly identify himself and then snatched his driving licence out of his hand when he demanded to see it for a penalty fare. The court heard that Paxton had served in the Royal Logistic Corps for 10 years, which included tours in Iraq, Afghanistan and Northern Ireland, and had represented the regiment in both boxing and rugby. Mr Fitzsimmons, who boarded the train with two colleagues, told the trial, I asked to check his ticket and there was no response, so I repeated, Can I check your ticket, please? He said, I haven't got a ticket, I've got a bank card. So I asked to check his bank card with my card reader and he said, I'm not letting you check my bank card with that machine, I don't know who you are. (laughs) I told him it would be a penalty fare situation and that he would have to alight at the next stop. He said he was going to Heathrow and if I wanted to go there, it was up to me. I asked if he had an ID on him and he handed me his driving licence. He jumped out of his seat and came right up into my face and said, Give me my driving licence. I thought he was possibly going to headbutt me, and I turned my head. He was aggressive now. He grabbed me around the throat with his arm in a choking action. I felt he was trying to get his forearm round my throat. I was trying to stop him choking me, and my two colleagues were trying to get him off me, and I could hear them saying, Get off him. He threw me to the side and grabbed my right arm and was trying to force it at my back. Now he was shouting, I'll snap it, I'll snap your arm, give me my driving licence. I felt really threatened now. It was a launched atta- assault. Paxton denied threatening to break the inspector's arm, insisting he feared for his driving licence and was saying, don't snap it. Mr Fitzsimmons said Paxton identified himself as a security expert during the struggle. He continued, I could tell he was trying out a move, some sort of professional and controlling thing with my arm. I felt the arm could snap. I was pushed down onto the seats with force. Then he had his hands round my throat. I couldn't get up. It was the worst experience in the manner of the assault, the control, the choking, the move to the arm that I've experienced in 25 years in the job. I couldn't fight back. Mr Fitzsimmons said, There was no credibility in Paxton genuinely suspecting he was the potential victim of a scam. I've heard stories about cards being skimmed, but I've never come across a fake inspector, he told the court. Paxton also claimed the inspector's Transport for London polo shirt was excessively worn and that he only saw a quick flash of his, Mr Fitzsimmons, ID card when the ticket demand was made. He told the court he saw a hand coming towards him and took action to defend himself. Mr Fitzsimmons (coughs) received a small injury to his lip during the incident and added, I had redness around my throat and by my ear and head. Paxton was sentenced to a 12-month community order, which includes hundred hours community service work and he must pay £150 compensation to Mr Fitzsimmons plus an £85 victim surcharge.
3: Back to the uh, attacks on the mosques in New Zealand. Worcester's Mayor and MP have called for solidarity after the terror attack in New Zealand which left 49 people dead. In a meeting at the Guildhall, Mayor of Worcester Jabba Riaz and MP Robin Walker united to issue a joint condemnation of the attacks, which targeted two mosques in Christchurch. Mr Riaz said, ''The whole community is in shock. For it to happen on Friday, the day of prayers, is truly shocking.'' This is a cold-blooded attack on innocent people by someone with far-right tendencies. The increase in hate crime we've seen over the last few years is why we as a city believe in love, not hate. And I would like to thank the residents, our MP, faith leaders and community groups for making Worcester a safe place to be. I would urge everyone not to watch or share the footage of the attack as all it does is spread the message of the terrorists and increase the chance of revenge attacks. Spreading this vile filth helps them to achieve their goals. Echoing Mr Riaz, Mr Walker said the news coming out of New Zealand is absolutely horrifying. New Zealand is a country renowned for being a peaceful and tolerant place to live. Far more than being An attack on a group of worshippers this is an attack on humanity we need to send a message to those individuals and groups trying to set us against one another that we utterly condemn this attack in Worcester we are a city which is diverse and as a city of many faiths we should send our condolences to the people of Christchurch the mayor's message of love not hate is an important one to remember at a time like this. The Muslim community does not deserve to be attacked for its beliefs and we need to come together to deal with the problem of Islamophobia in our society. Police in New Zealand arrested a man in his late twenties with two men and a woman also being detained. The Bangladesh cricket team has since cancelled its tour of New Zealand after its players narrowly avoided the attack at the first mosque. Mm -hmm.
1: A rise in the number of crimes where a pupil took a weapon into schools in Worcestershire is due to better recording of offences. Statistics for West Mercia Police, released after a Freedom of Information request, show weapon on possession offences rose from 3 to 17 from January 2013 to October 2018, with three of those 17 last year involving a knife. However, the number of offences where a knife was used as a weapon on school premises dropped from nine in 2016 to three in 2018. The number of cautions issued to pupils in relation to weapon incidents also rose from 2013 to 2018 by 100% for children aged 13 to 16. Four children aged 13 to 16 in 2018 received police cautions, but no charges were brought for the first time since 2013. West Mercy Police say the rise in the last five years is because crime recording has changed and schools are better at reporting incidents and police and schools have stronger relationships through initiatives such as regular visits from officers. Police and Crime Commissioner for the region John Campion said all forms of recorded crime have seen increases over the last five years. This did not, does not necessarily indicate an increase in actual crime. Often it simply shows recording practices have improved. In either case, I'm reassured that in West Mercia these types of incidents remain extremely rare and recorded incidents have dropped again in the last couple of years. I've invested significantly in programmes to support our most vulnerable young people and will continue to do so as Commissioner. Mm. These include mentoring schemes in local schools, work with local charities and an education initiative specifically focused on educating young people on the dangers of knife crime. Talking about the national knife crime issue, mm-hmm. the Joint General Secretary of the National Education Union, Dr Mary Boosted, said the increase in knife crime and its devastating consequences on families and communities is a very serious problem. This causes... The causes, sorry, and not just the symptoms need to be urgently looked at to ensure that it is tackled effectively. This clearly means going much
2: further than laying the blame at the door of school exclusions. I have a picture of a a bright-faced campaigner called Susie who's launching a charity. She's a passionate campaigner and she's made a major life change to start her own charity support for former child soldiers. Susie Ford is now appealing for people to support her charity, Be The Change, as she aims to get the project off the ground. Miss Ford, who grew up in Pershaw, was living in Worcester when she quit her job at the Jaguar Land Rover to fulfil her lifetime's ambition to help people around the world. The 32-year-old said, I saw the dire need for help after volunteering in South America and knew this was my calling. In two, two th- 2017, I used my savings, sold my car and my belongings and cl- climbed Mount Kilimanjaro to raise the capital to start the charity. I went to Uganda on a one-way ticket. We support former child soldiers, orphans and other vulnerable children to get back into school and be placed with foster families. In Uganda, we plan to buy some land at one of the schools so that they can feed the children at school. We also plan to build a vocational centre where teenagers can learn a skill. In Congo, our mission is to open a women's centre for the women victims of sexual violence. On placements, I have taught yoga in Uganda and Congo to help victims. And my other passion is conservation. At the moment, the focus is on supporting people, but I want the charity to be about changing the world for the better. We want to help protect the environment and species through conservation and awareness raising raising, Miss Ford came back to Pershaw to visit family and friends over Christmas and has been busy registering the charity and planning fundraising before her next trip, set to take place in the summer. Businesses are being encouraged to support the charity in a tough mudder, taking place at Beaver Castle on May the 18th. The charity is also planning other fundraising events later in the year. Ms. Ford says she is also hoping to arrange volunteer placements, giving people the chance to support their work. For more details, email susie at uh, be the change international.org or visit the charity's website be the change. Stroke international.org.
0: And last brief article, head up for award. Mark Pollard, 44, has been head teacher at Bishop Perrone CRB School for almost four years and has been nominated for head teacher of the year award in the Worcestershire Education Awards. The school in Merrimans Hill Road, Worcester, has been nominated for Secondary School of the Year in the Worcestershire Education Awards. Bishop Perrone was rated good by Ofsted in its latest inspection in 2018, following its previous inadequate rating in February 2017. Mr Pollard added, the school has been on a huge journey and I am delighted that the work we started nearly four years ago is now really paying off for the students in outcomes and in a culture that is positive and focused. Mm-hmm. Tracy Carter, who nominated Mr Pollard, said in the nomination form, Mr Pollard has worked tirelessly to turn things round at West- with Bishop Perone." He has dealt with any issues head-on and built a team around him that have focused on turning round the school's fortunes. Well now, we've reached the end of this recorded edition. Thank you to Paddy, Hugh, Moira and Barry and Janet for producing this evening's edition. We hope you've enjoyed listening and that you'll come back for more next week. Best wishes from me, Evelyn, and from all the team. Goodbye. 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 And now the obituaries. Linda Collins passed away peacefully at home on Sunday, March the 10th, 2019, aged 66 years. Funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday, March the 28th at 12.15pm. William Thomas Coopy, Bill, former postman. Passed away peacefully at Severn Heights Care Home on March 2, 2019, aged 88 years. Funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday, April 2nd at 1045 AM. Frank McCauley passed away peacefully on March 7, 2019, aged 84 years. Funeral service at St. George's Catholic Church on Thursday, March the twenty eighth at twelve noon, followed by a committal at Worcester Crematorium. Dorothy Frances March passed away peacefully at Cheltenham General Hospital on Thursday, march the fourteenth, twenty nineteen, aged seventy-eight years. A private crema- cremation will take place, followed by a service of thanksgiving at St. Giles Church, Breeden, on Wednesday, April 10, 2019, at 11.30am. Mabel Violet Morris passed away peacefully at St. Richard's Hospice on March 10, 2019, aged 80 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday, March the 28th at 3.15pm.
3: Gordon Harrison passed away peacefully at home on March the 10th, aged 98 years. Um, His funeral at Wire Forest Crematorium is on Wednesday, March the 27th at 10.30am. Family flowers only, please. Ronald Reginald Fletcher, known as Ron, sadly passed away on March the 11th, aged 85. Uh, the funeral service to take place on Tuesday, March the 26th, at the Church of the Good Shepherd, that is the Hook Church, near Upton-upon-7 at 11.30am, followed by a private cremation. Alwyn Rose... Passed away the 27th of February, aged 83. uh, Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 29th of March at 10am. No flowers, please, but wear something bright and casual. Percy Rushton passed away peacefully at Worcester Royal Hospital on March the 7th, aged 91 years. His funeral service has already taken place. Ken Brox
1: passed away peacefully at Worcester City inpatient unit on March the 10th aged 82 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Friday April the 5th at 12.15. June Elizabeth Mason formerly of Kay's passed away peacefully on March the 7th aged 81 years service of celebration at St George's C of E Church on Wednesday, March the 27th at 2.45. Mary Pearce passed away peacefully at Bradbury Court, Malvern on March the 3rd, aged 89 years. There will be a simple funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Friday, March the 29th at 12.15, with no reception afterwards. Shirley Short passed away peacefully on March the 9th, aged 80 years, memorial service at St. James's Church, Welland, on Friday, March the 29th, at 12
2: noon. Richard Armstrong of Upton-upon-Seven, who was formerly of Worcester and Shrawley, died unexpectedly on February eighteenth, two 2019, at Worcester Royal Hospital, and his funeral has already taken place. <coughs> Brian Dennis Bunton, who was known as Bunny, peacefully passed away in the care of St. Richard's Hospice on March the twen- on march the second, twenty nineteen, aged seventy six years. His funeral will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Friday, march twenty ninth, at eleven thirty AM. Frank Hadley passed away peacefully after an illness bravely fought on march second, twenty nineteen, aged seventy six years and his funeral has taken place. Hazel Vera Payne passed away peacefully on March the 6, 2019, aged 71 years. The funeral service will be at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday, March the 26, at 10am. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs>